If you're working in healthcare research, if you're new to that field, in social work, in death and dying, this episode is for you. And what we're going to explore is basically how, you know, what you should be thinking about the very first times that you're running your interviews. Um, this episode came about, actually, it was impromptu, but on another channel that I run, a, uh, I had a hacker come in and he or she released a couple of the drafts that were in. And, and one of them was actually from back from 2020, like when I had just started working in the healthcare industry. And it kind of reminded me of, of a lot of things I'd completely forgotten because it was like three years ago. I, um, I I forgot of how stressful it had been, actually, that transition, specifically because of the things I'm going to share with you. And the message behind it, though, is you get used to it very quickly. <laughs> you get emotionally stronger. Um, things absolutely do get you know easier uh, on the job. But also, there are things that maybe I wish I would have known earlier. I mean... I figured it out pretty quickly, luckily, so you can too. So I think the you know there's going to be a little bit of a, a shock there, no matter how you handle it. But it it goes pretty smoothly, and I think you 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 get into the habit pretty quickly, um, and then you can become a great researcher as well with a little bit of um, perseverance and and kind of uh, work around those those things. So I'm gonna share a couple of tips with you today to kind of speed up that learning curve if that's what you're experiencing now. So at the time, um, I hadn't realized it, and I think it's something that's really worth mentioning. When you're first looking into um, research into healthcare, especially if you have done some projects before, you might not think it's that different from other industries, but it really is, right? And to me, there was this tendency of booking things, and I'm talking here specifically about that research phase where you're doing a lot of interviews, booking them the way I would have done it for a retail company or, you know, like a private sector. And I hadn't realized that the stories you're going to hear are very often um, difficult stories. I mean, not always, but you're researching a healthcare problem, right? So um, the, the likelihood, especially if you're during a pandemic, which now luckily is no longer the case, but, you know, in case <laughs> something similar ever happens and you're listening to this podcast, then um, the people are actually impacted and they might be having a hard time. And you're kind of standing in there with them, kind of sharing those stories. So it's not going to be the same as hearing, you know, the story of a purchase of your first car or something. Um, it's a different nature. And I think as such, you should prepare a little bit differently. The biggest pointer I can give has to do with scheduling um, not back to back, essentially, there's going to be this, um, you know, when you're looking at the schedule, there's this reflex of just trying to put as many as you can interviews in a day, because you're trying to finish them right in two weeks and three weeks and four weeks, whatever. Um, and because you kind of want to do the coding, but it's kind of hard to shift from, you know, um, being in that kind of listening mood to starting um, the, the analysis work like these are different tasks so it's kind of convenient in a way right to just run the listening portions um, but here's what happens when you actually um, put too many of them back to back it's that first of all you don't have time to, to switch really like if the the story has a, an important emotional toll and you have to, to change to the next interview you've got to sort of like reset really quickly um but it's hard to do properly if it's really kind of on the clock and you have no time for yourself. So putting breaks in between is really, really good because it just lets you kind of relax, change your mind a little bit, 
come back and then really be present for the next person. So avoid putting too many back-to-back interviews. The number of interviews also should be shorter than whatever it is that you've got planned on there. If you've got like four of them or even three, that that can be a lot, right? Even if they're not quite back-to-back. And the reason is because if you only do the intake for all of them and you have no time to process any of that, you're going to end up with at the end of the day, you know, like four or five different stories in your head. And um, you won't really have time to put down your thoughts, to organize a bit some things. And I know that there's an analysis phase coming like later, but there is that extra stage that you should really plan for. And ideally, right after you've done that interview, right? Like you should have that space to kind of think about it, jot down a couple of ideas. Um, If you're using like a hashtag method, like I've spoken in another, another episode, you might already have Um, not quite a draft, but already like first ideas popping up. Um, But you you need a moment just to put a bit of order in things. And even just from the the logistics perspective, I know we can and I did, for example, automate a lot of things back then. Um, You know, the fact that the computer sends things in the right place and, you know, all those little things, you know, that they take care of the logistics for, for registrations and stuff like that, for getting people, you know, um, into the interview, these are great because they're kind of like an assistant and they take off work from you, but they are not really a substitute for the time that you as a human being need to reset. And I think um, it's really important to remember, like, sure, automate as much as you can, but keep a little bit of that extra time, not because you have to, quote unquote, because you, you can definitely delegate a lot of tasks to your computer, but because it's kind of good for you just to, you know, check in, process a little bit of stuff so you don't have like a mental overload at the very end of the day. The last point I have to um, bring up has to do with actually like the mindset that you have going in there. Um, I did go to, I I took death and dying courses. I I think they're called now grief and loss is the the new name that they give the the course, but um, it was in the social work school and we were taught there what I would call like basic self-care for researchers or for social workers. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to think like that the school was also very big at the time on everything to do with meditation, like there were entire departments for that. So we were very, very, very well prepared. And I think you, as you grow into the job, you don't need it anymore. It, you become kind of like emotionally not stronger, but it's like, you're, you're kind of able to meet that and you're not as like impressionable as when you first start. But the very first, you know, interviews you're going to run, um, if you're not used to it, like the, this can be sensitive matter. And it, it will, you know, if you got into this field is because you have compassion, you have, you know, interest in other human beings, you want to help. Um, and it can be kind of tough sometimes. And, and you might have that feeling almost of powerlessness sometimes because, you know, you're, you're there for an hour for two, but you can't really like change the world right from from that perspective i think two two ideas related to that one of them is the the concrete skills that we've um, gotten and there's actually a really good book i'm trying to remember the the name but it's something like rituals for healthcare workers something like that um and it really helped me at the very very start like i literally created these like little check-in rituals um there's kind of like visualizations and things like that which sounds a bit woo-woo but you know um at the beginning, you you might need that because it's just so unusual. Like, you know, in a normal day, you don't hear that many things that will impact you, right, personally. Um, 
So it does help. And the second portion uh, that I think really, really helps is just when you remind yourself, like the work you do, you know, the place where you help is not in the present, that individual sitting in front of you. Like you might or might not be able to help depending on, you know, the organization you work for and what you're going to, how what you're going to deliver is going to impact them. But like what you're doing is kind of a broader picture. Like you see all these instances, right? All of these people one by one who are telling you different stories, different perspectives, you're collecting all of that. But the end goal is actually at a really higher level to be able to bring that in, whether you're working in policy or you're working in actual healthcare programs, it's to bring, you know, programs that can actually help people on the ground. And you do that by getting to know people on the ground. And these are just a small sample, not to discourage you, but there's many, many others, right, that are facing um, perhaps the same kind of things. And so the work that you do, like you are helping, but you're helping in a longer horizon, right? It's going to take longer until whatever you research gets implemented and gets to have an impact. But the scale will also be bigger because you'll be able to help all of the people who are impacted by the programs that your organization or your government will deliver. Um, and so I think there's comfort in knowing that and in, remi in reminding yourself of that because on the spot, while you might might be feeling like, okay, is this making a difference? Um, yeah, it is. It's just the way you're making a difference might be a little bit different. I'll end by saying that it's pretty much just a learning curve. Like you, you do get used to it. You do get um, fluent in, in that arena. Um, and I think you still... It's, it's good, right, <laughs> to still be able to feel things because you want to stay human and you want to connect with people. Um, and I think that that portion of the job, like that's that's why it's you and not a robot there because the human connection is really important. Um, and I don't know, it's it, I think it's very valuable, the work that we do. Um, but it actually does get easier. And I'm not, I'm not sure exactly why <laughs> because you still care, but it's like um, it doesn't have the same kind of toll on you after and it goes pretty fast right it's it's like a learning curve you you go through it and the first few times I think it's like impressionable but then it, it really does get you know very okay <laughs> so you shouldn't worry too too much but at the beginning just um I think those little tips and tricks with the different um you know scheduling arrangements and the giving yourself a bit of time having some kind of like ritual especially when you exit work to go into your private life, those kind of things um, definitely, definitely help at the start. And then I think it just becomes something like a second nature or, or natural and, and <laughs> you'll see it. it's not that hard in, in the end. But, you know, we, we all start somewhere. <laughs>